I'm Gene Brooks, and I'm here with my new friend, uh, Ishaku Amakabong, who is the coordinator, uh, the national coordinator for Equa in Mali. That's the Evangelical Church winning all. It's the SIM-related churches in Nigeria, and he is a representative in Mali, um, working to share the gospel of Jesus Christ there. And so we, we are uh, together today at the um, West Africa Senders Gathering in Abidjan, Ivory Coast. And uh, I met him at this conference. Welcome, Mr. Alma. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, Mr. Alma, I would love to know about you and your family. And um, tell me about, uh, are you married? Yes, I am I'm married to Marta, and uh, I have uh, four children, two foster children, and uh, two biological. Okay, and what do, what do you do in Mali? I I am to coordinate the work of uh, Equa, to start the work of Equa, register the church there in the land and the Ministry of Equa in Mali, and as well as uh, create a base or found a base to launch out into the hinterlands of uh, Mali. Okay, so you'll be planting churches across Mali. Yes. Mali is a um, not a Christian nation. Yes, um, Mali technically, uh, on Mali is uh, a secular nation but it's uh, again 98% Islamic. Okay. Yeah. So you have a challenge. We do. We do have a challenge. Have a challenge. Yeah. So um, tell me how you came to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Okay. Um, it was uh, uh, a bit easier for me growing up in uh, a Christian family because I had no any opposition within my family for becoming a Christian. But our grandfather had been a Muslim mm -hmm. who comes every uh, Salah or big uh, Muslim festive period, the Idil Kabir and Maulud to, to pick us to the mosque. You know, oh. so I've been to uh, eat about a couple of times, you know, in the mosque. In the mosque. And um, but my father met the Lord during his days in the military, and he 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 had been a church planter himself, planted an equa church in Jos before he backslided. Mm. So, but my mom was was the pillar of the Christianity in our house. Okay, and. I was I was a good sinner because I was a church boy and every day around the church and uh, we are seen to be the good guys within the church but deep within me I knew something is wrong with me uh -huh. and first uh, August 1991 was the day I watched a movie called The Born in Hell uh -huh. when I watched the movie 
and there were two guys riding bikes and uh, they had an accident. One died and was taken to hell and he had been in hellfire for quite a long time, period of time. He saw how he had been tormented and things like that in the fire. And wow, I, I just saw myself. Oh, you saw yourself in it. Saw myself in it. And there was an altar call and I accept the Lord. Wow. Yeah. You know, it has not been easy then because I had to leave my comfort zone, my community, to go to school within Bauchi State. And it was a bit difficult for me because I was all of a sudden alone, an independent young boy, and studying. I've been under some form of privileges educationally because. God have uh, granted me some exposure ahead of my mates and I've been leading from primary school up to my secondary school days, my college days. I've been at the top of my class and I've been the student representatives both in my primary and secondary school. So uh, pride came in mm. and I was having everything. I have the the nice girls in the school. I I made choice of every other thing ahead of my mates, and that was when I began to struggle more and more, going more deeper into the war. Until I finished my college 2000 and went back to Jaws. Then I met the Lord again during my fellowship, my youth fellowship. Uh, conferences and that was it I was baptized then mm-hmm. and uh, then I, I applied to to be trained as a pastor in a seminary uh-huh. the seminary turned me down they never wanted they turned you down turned me down I was not admitted I said what even God don't like me being <laughs> born again you know <laughs> so I uh I went back, but another seminary was calling me, but because of the embarrassment from the other seminary, I don't want to right. go. I can, I can understand. Yeah. So I, uh, I was just around when God just kept laying it in my heart. I want you to serve me. I said, but the seminaries don't want me. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to run away, do other things with my life, but uh, then in one of the youth fellowships, we were together discussing on mission. And a young man was sharing about volunteering in a mission agency where they take care of the street boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was keenly listening to hear what can I do there as, as just a college graduate what can I do, what can I do and he said even if you come to sit and tell them stories I said wow, I think oh. I'm getting my place, so I don't have to go to a seminary <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a good information for me and I, I went to the office I signed in to be a volunteer uh, to cut a long story short, I served as a volunteer for eight years in that ministry. Wow. But it gave you confidence. Of course. That, that 
uh, time I needed confidence to keep moving you know but because the ministry was willing to accept me without a theological training yeah wow that is nice for me yeah and so yeah. you were able to minister to those kids yes for for about eight years that's wonderful you see and during my 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 stay there was when I later went into a seminary uh. so and I, I was trained never in my life wanting to be a pastor <laughs> because yeah. I've found fulfillment in doing this ministry and uh, we took care of uh, it during my stay in that ministry I've seen how close to uh, 3,000 children came into that ministry mm. and, and left where some were graduating out of the ministry becoming men of their own independent young men and receiving Jesus Christ preaching out and wow. that is overwhelming and I want to stay there for the rest of my life yeah so and I, I kept doing that until uh, I got to a point that I was so convinced to to go to school because I, I had only my diploma and I wanted more education. I was rising too higher than my own knowledge. People see me in high esteem because of my sacrifices and they assume my place in the society. Uh -huh. And I know deep within me I'm not yet there. Yeah. So there's an emptiness in me. I, that was when, and my leaders my leaders never wanted me to leave or leave the ministry to go and study. Mm -hmm. They felt it's okay, just keep doing it this way. We are not requesting for a higher qualification for this. But I, I can imagine where God will want to take me. And I am not yet prepared. And I was rising too high, too speedy, that I'm not yet prepared for. I was not married and Mm -hmm. you know, so, so I had to resign. I resigned uh, 8 August 2008. It was 8-8-8. Ah. Yeah, so I had to resign. I resigned and I continued volunteering in uh, order, uh, peace and good governance monitoring NGOs within just and uh, doing some health projects here and there in a foundation called John Poppy Foundation. Okay. So I, I served there for another three years. I was the monitoring and evaluation officer there. Uh -huh. And there I now started uh, a program uh, with a center that is affiliated to Anointed University in South Africa. I continued with my Christian education uh, BA courses there. So that's how you get your degree? Yeah. And after that I got my degree. Okay. Yeah. So technically I would say the Lord just saw me among a lot of sinners and just picked me. Mm. You know, like my father will always say, he say I am I am his mysterious child. Why do you know. say that? My my mom and him never knew she was pregnant when they had me, and, ah. and she was about four months pregnant. Wow! Until they got to the hospital, she was sick, and they never 
ever imagined she was pregnant. Oh. And I was there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. What a gift. <laughs> sure. So I was very sick growing up. So I, I think they had to give me a lot of attention. I was fragile among the children. And um, you don't seem like a sickly or fragile yeah. man. <laughs> it got to a point when the Lord healed me. Ah. My mom cried and cried over me severally until it was later discovered that I had Belhesia. Belhesia is a the sickness gotten from bad water. Oh. And so I got some germs through water and then I got those medications that treated me from Belhesia. Since then I have never been sick. In so my it was life. a bacterial infection? It was a bacterial infection. Wow. And I had no clue. And it was just bad water? Bad water. Wow. Well, tell me what you're doing today in Niger. You and your wife, hmm. um, you're married now, you have children. So yeah. what kind of, what ministries are y'all doing currently in Mali? Hmm. Oh, uh, just by the grace of God, we in Mali now have been there for about two and a half years. And uh, we had some uh, official assignments to do there, to register the, the ministry there with the government, trying to get a place to, to launch out into the rest of the community. Uh, successfully, we have facilitated the registration of the ministry in Mali with oh. the government. Great. It's registered, we are certified to, to do ministry in Mali. And again, with the Council of Churches in Mali, mm -hmm. we've been accepted into the Council of Churches. Okay. And, uh, we have, by God's grace, have acquired a land where we'll be building the headquarters of Equa Mali. Okay. So, and, uh, but we have one greater challenge, which is the language barrier. We had to learn French. In learning French, we discovered that the people speak Bambara more. Bambara. Yes. Okay. So we had to go back to learning Bambara and join with friends. It now slowed our pace in learning French. So you were learning two languages. We are learning two language ad languages at that time. But when God, the first convert God gave us was from the Dogon extraction, another language of Mali. A third language. Good. A the, third Dogon. Language, the Dogon. We, that was not a problem until we, his wife got converted. We had another family of Dogon again. We had a church of Dogon people. So the Lord was opening the door to the Dogon people. To the people. Dogon people. Wow. And the women don't speak any other language except Dogon. Wow. So um, I, we had to start a learning third language. <laughs> <laughs> so it took us two years to, to get to this level. But when we were struggling with learning languages, we felt the work will not wait. Yeah. And, and the policy of EMS is to learn on the job. EMS is the Evangelical yeah. Mission Society. Well, that's it's true. It's the mission program for the Nigerian Equa Church. Yes, sir. And uh, so we had to go by the policy. We began to pray and look at areas that we can be of, uh, of help to the church in Mali. 
and um, it took us about six months one one year to six months to do uh, what we call uh, to develop a shared vision mm-hmm. for our work there in Mali we traveled nook and crannies of uh, Mali to develop a shared vision to, to listen to people and what will they want a church to look like and they shared with us and we came back and uh, put our strategies together with a lot of steps to go on towards achieving them. So uh, we, we, we took some years to plan what we will be doing mm-hmm. in the world or what another team will be taking over to continue with. Mm-hmm. So after strategizing this way, prayerfully, we had about the Nigerian girls in the prison that uh, speaks the Nigerian English, the broken Nigerian English. Wow. That no one understands. Mm-hmm. Nobody in Mali understands. But you, too. We understand. <laughs> so, but not wanting to just jump into it because I've never done prison ministry before. We began to pray about that. During our time of prayers, I received a mail mm-hmm. from, from uh, some missionaries with uh, GMU and CMA working in Mali. Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, good. Okay. So they, they were inviting me if I would want to work with them in the prison because these are the areas of their challenges. So at the time you're praying for this, you get yeah. a letter inviting you and to letter join the prison ministry. Sure. Well, I think that was your answer. Right? Of, of course, we saw that as <laughs> God answering, and we had no any other hesitation. We had a meeting with them, with my wife, I agreed on some terms, and we started. You know, at a point, we had young girls that were trafficked into Mali. The first day mm-hmm. they were trafficked, the following day, they end up in prison. Uh-huh. About six of them, you know. Now, they don't know any Mali, Malian dish. They can't eat Malian food. So they, do, they can't eat Malian food. Yeah. So we had to feed them so you, in so the you prison. brought them food. Sure. So you were sharing, showing Christ to them through that, that what is, you fed them. Uh-huh, sure, that was what we did. We tried to do that because we never even know how we can be of blessing to them. So they were they were sex trafficked or labor trafficked into Mali. They they were uh, labor trafficked or what do we call it? But basically, it, the end route is that they are brought in for prostitution. Okay, that's sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Sex trafficking. Uh huh. We we have quite a lot of them that end up in Mali prisons because of that, mm-hmm. and many other crimes that they have committed. That prison. Over the years, we have discovered to always have about 10 to 20 percent of Nigerians every every time of the year. Wow! So there's a significant sex trafficking problem out of Nigeria into uh, into Mali. Mali. Who are the customers? Well, the the Malians and the general public. <laughs> okay. You wouldn't really know where to point, but. That got me t- uh, interested too because I asked who are the customers severally and they were the Malians. Mm-hmm. What is the problem with Malians? Mm-hmm. You know, I began to, to make a research 
And one day, in trying to ask questions, a friend of mine told me uh, a problem in Malian society. He told me that he circumcised his daughter. Uh-huh. So there was women or girl child mutilation in Mali going on on the ground okay. and we know nothing about female female general mutilation yes so okay so when I began to dig deep he told me 95% of Malian girls have been mutilated wow that was an alarming statement that is alarming and he told me he just beat his daughters just three days ago and he's my friend oh my goodness I was so mad in my spirit. Yeah. You know. Then I began to discover and make more researches about genital mutilation and found out reporters that written that women only endure sex when they are mutilated. They don't enjoy it, they yeah. endure it. Right. So I now begin to see reasons why the Malian men will not enjoy their wives all the time. They prefer to enjoy the prostitutes out there. Wow. And the girls are making millions out of prostitution. Wow. And they keep coming day by day. They are always on the road coming to Mali. Wow. So you've been working a lot with, with um, sex trafficking mm -hmm. Nigerian girls yeah. in Mali. Mm -hmm. It's been one of the things the Lord's open the, up to you to do yeah how long until you think then you'll be able to plant a church we we have started a church already in mali okay we started a church the first sunday we were in mali we came on the 6th of uh, july and the 12th of july is a sunday supposed to be a sunday we had our first service that wow so year. you were just right off the bat yeah we were on you didn't wait and a uh, few months later we baptize. We now have uh, about uh, six baptized members in our okay. uh, home cells, and uh, we we have baptized <coughs> orders that have left for for other assignments, and some are back to Nigeria because some of them were were the converted prostitutes. We we baptize them. When you get them back, we reconcile them back to their families. And uh, we are able to, to reconcile about uh, about ten. Yeah, we we got the secured the freedom of about fifteen, and wow. ten reconciled back to their families. Wow, uh, you know. So, so you have favor with the prison officials as well. Yeah, we praise God because any ministry given by God, He's always there to open the doors. The the case in uh, the Malian prison is um, I don't know how it is in other uh, prisons. In most of the prisons, you tip before you enter. You do what? You tip the guards before you. You have to tip the guards. You have to give them some money to get in. Of course. But for us, we enter the prisons free. But you don't pay. We don't pay. And any time we come, we we just go in. Okay. And uh, they, they've allowed us to come there every Tuesday to visit and pray. So we've designed mm -hmm. a trapezoid program for the girls. We, we do discipleship, uh -huh. do skill acquisitions, and trauma healing. 
So you're doing. So you're discipling them. Mm-hmm. You're teaching them a trade yeah. so they can make a living, yeah. and you're doing trauma healing with them, which sure. is necessary for somebody who's been through what they're going through. Right? That, that is beautiful. That's beautiful. Praise God. Well, um, Pastor Almo, yeah. um, tell me, give me an idea, and we have a few minutes left. Hmm. Um, what is? Uh, tell me a story or a testimony where you've seen God at work specifically with somebody. You're telling me some amazing stories about God at work in Mali through the ministry uh, in the prison. Do you have any specific stories of of how people came to know the Lord? Okay, uh, in the prison, yes, there is. But there is one, um, one other one I would like to share with you too. In the prison, we, in one of our courses called um, Trauma Healing, where it says, the first course says, why a loving God allows pain, uh-huh. you know. And uh, we have uh, a, a sister there who had been in prison uh, for, for connivance to, to dupe somebody. That was the case. She was alleged to be conniving with her husband to dupe another. Conniving to dupe someone. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But... Uh, this girl confessed to be uh, deep into drugs trafficking. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, but she was not caught on drugs, so we began to ask her for the details, and she told us how her church had a compulsory prayer and fasting, a dry prayer and fasting, and she was not nursing the. Uh, uh, baby at that time, an oh. infant, that she could not feed well. At the time of breaking the fast, the baby died. <gasps> oh my goodness. So and she could, she had a fast with no food, no water, no food, no and water. the baby died at the end of the fast. Sure. Wow. And she left the church. She don't want anything to do with God. Why will God allow this kind of thing to happen to her? Yeah. So the truth that first class, mm-hmm. she gave her life to Jesus she Christ again. Wow. You so know, she came to Christ. We, we, we understood that she was not born again. She, she said she was just a choir member. She was yeah, just, so yeah. she really wasn't saved. She wasn't saved. Well, so she came to faith in Christ. She came to faith. In through Christ. trauma healing. Through trauma healing. You see that. Yeah. We have a couple of them that accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Wow. For the first time. Some have not been the church before. And another, uh, you said you had another story to tell me. Yeah. Uh, a day before I traveled to Nigeria two months ago, a woman came with her baby to my house. The baby had a problem. The problem is the doctors call the sickness a shrink heart. The heart is shrinking. The heart was shrinking. Okay. Yeah. And there was a deep hole right in the center of the baby's chest. Wow. And I was going the following morning. So I prayed for her. Me and my wife laid our hands and prayed on the baby. Yeah. And we left. There's a baby girl. A a baby boy. A baby boy. Yeah. And so there's a hole in the chest. The hole in the chest. Wow. So we prayed on the baby. And they were to Stay, a, a sister was to stay to take care of our children, uh-huh. and she came to stay with them. 
So we kept calling and praying, asking them if they have visit the, visited the doctors to hear more about that. We came back a month later from Nigeria, and I saw the baby is well. So what happened? We don't know what happened. <laughs> the Lord healed the baby. Wow. The doctors uh, uh, diagnosed the baby, and the baby is free from that sickness. They, wow. were, they were waiting for days to go into our operation for an operation. And so when they went to examine the baby, they examined the baby. There is nothing needed for the surgery. Wow. So what was her response? This woman, she, she had traveled back to the village, but every almost every week she calls us to say thank you she does I say thank you thank you the thank lord's you. an amazing god you see that mm. you know we were not there so we, we don't have anything to boast of yeah it is just god doing wow well pastor Alma, yes. our time's gone but i sure am excited about what you're doing in mali thank god you. bless you amen. and we you. look forward to hearing from you in the future amen thank you so much amen. thank you for the opportunity